For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. Today I'm joined by David Ince. From the Highland Bullpen, I was a guest on their show. Now it's his turn to come over on mine. I couldn't have all four of them, but I picked my favorite guy from the bullpen. David, how's it going? <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, great choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you earlier, it's um, it's a day for staying in because the the snow is coming down. I think it's just stopped tonight. In fact, in fact, our local football team, Harrogate Town. Their game has just been postponed at the last minute due to the due to the snowfall. So tell us a little bit about the Highland bullpen. I know it's four guys. All you're you're in England and they're all in Scotland, right? Yeah, we all work together in um, Glasgow for the same company um, as an insurance company. Not very exciting, but we we had plenty of fun anyway. <laughs> And um, yeah, it was something that uh, we we decided to do with regard to COVID because we couldn't get around to see each other. We used to go to different um, football, soccer games together. We did this thing called ground hopping, where you basically go to different games to check out different stadia, uh, different football grounds. So like Alan Cameron, who's our spiritual leader, I think you say, of Highland Bullpen. He's a he's an actual Highlander. He's a, you know he, he was born in a small and brought up in a small town just north of Inverness. So any of your any of your listeners can look us up on the map and you see Inverness, north of Scotland. He's from even further north than that. So that's where the term Highlander comes from. And there's such a thing called Highland cattle. It's these big shaggy uh, animals, these cows and bulls. And we thought it was a good play on words to have the Highland bullpen as our as our podcast name. Well, I enjoy it. It's a good show. I don't know how I came across you guys, but I'm glad I did. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is how disappointed are you with uh, the Major League Baseball talks, I mean, recently it just came out that uh, they're going to delay the start of spring training. And I have it here. They're supposed to play around 28 to 32 games. And if they start as late as they are saying now that they could play six to nine, it's that's not enough games. If you go back to 2020, you know, some people say that's why there were a lot of injuries because these guys, you know, they had shortened spring training and then they stopped, right? And then they did the, I can't remember what it was called, the summer something. You know, they did like a little second short spring training and some people contributed all the injuries to that. So 
I'm all for making sure these guys have time to get ready, get their bodies ready for the season. And if you got to take a few games off, then take a few games off. Yeah, I would totally agree. That's a great point. That's something I've not thought about was that these guys and, um, you know, baseball players traditionally perhaps haven't always been perceived as highly toned athletes. We're going back to maybe the 50s, 60s and 70s even. But but these days, these guys really are top athletes. And, you know, to play a season of 162 games over, what is it, six or seven months, you need a proper warm-up, don't you? And you can't do that in a week. Every every sport has its, we call it a pre-season in football and rugby. And the teams will get together at least four, five, six weeks before the season and start practicing, toning themselves up. Because the, the close season, as we say, that when they're not playing baseball, it's quite a long time, isn't it, over the winter? So it, some players, I presume, would be more um, likely to keep themselves fit at home yeah. than, than others. And perhaps, you know, when they get to spring training, some of them need more uh, practice before they're ready to start the season than others. Yeah, I was going to say, these guys, yeah, there's a lot of guys that I'm sure are doing, you know, off-season workouts, but is is that enough to get you ready for the season to avoid injury? I don't know, but spring training was just around the corner. I mean, today's like the 19th spring training was supposed to start on the 26th and now it's going to start on the fifth. So we'll see what happens. But if you bought tickets to see spring training, they are going to give you your money back uh, for games that don't take place. But as soon as they came out with that, the players we're right with their response right away. It's they're saying you don't need to cancel it. We can still talk about, you know, the CBA and play, but the owners, I mean, that that's their, you know, that's their strength, right? Like we can cancel games. We can delay everything yeah. because you get paid by the game. So that's their ammunition that they have. Right. If you want to call it that. Yeah, that's the owner's weapon, isn't it? This lockout. Yeah. So presumably the players are saying, well, if you lift the lockout, we can go to spring training. Because as I understand it at the moment, the players are not even allowed to go and to the to the club. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, well, it's like it's an em- employer versus employee, employee dispute, isn't it? So if you work in a factory and your union has a dispute and you go on strike, then the the workers don't go into work. But if the management decide that they want to, as you use it, use their weapon, then they lock you out. So you're not allowed to go into work. So that's not a very good basis for getting along together, is it? Uh, I tend to sympathize a little bit with with the players here and they're saying, well, you know, we'll go into work if you let us, but we need to do this four or five week spring training to get us up to speed so we can play the game. And like, frankly, I'm amazed that it has come to this, especially after you had that truncated season because of COVID, you know, only 60 games. And, um, you know, obviously I had a full season last year, but um, 
to to have this dispute so soon after getting back to normal in inverted commas it doesn't seem right and it's the it's the fans that are going to miss out yeah yeah i mean i i think baseball had some momentum it was a great season last year there's great stories you know a, a lot of people say that major league baseball does a very bad job at promoting their superstars you know like it's kind of not like other sports would, would you agree with that that a lot of these i mean baseball fans we know them we know who the superstars are but they're not really global superstars for people that don't watch baseball i don't think yeah i think it's i think that's true i think um, actually we sort of discussed this a little bit on the highland bullpen in our uh, early days to our <laughs> to our uh, small but uh, you know loyal <laughs> listenership in the in the UK is not quite up to your standards, but um, we do our best. And I think you know our members. There's there's me who's the the oldest one who had an interest in the in in the sport in in the nineties. Um, and there's another lad who's quite a young guy, and he's uh, recently got involved with it with the White Sox. And we were talking about the traditions of the game, and there was quite a lot of things happened. What was, and some of the new stars are have a completely different approach to the game of baseball than the traditional unwritten rules allow. So, wasn't there an incident when I can't remember the guy's name, I should remember, but on he was sitting on three balls and no strikes. And you're not supposed to take a swing at this mm. boy. You're supposed to take a strike. And he yeah. hit it at the ballpark, did a little bit of a dance as he was going around and got a lot of criticism for it. And we spoke about that. And I think overall we thought, I was a bit of a traditionalist, but I think overall we thought that this is kind of what baseball needs. It needs some big stars who are going to get yeah. the imagination of the of the public and uh you know I, th- I think it's going in that direction isn't it don't don't you think so yeah you know about what you were just talking about the 3-0 you yeah. know swinging with the home run that they were probably losing really bad but i mean these guys yeah. get paid based on their stats they get paid on what they do and it's not their fault that the other team's getting killed I mean, what are you supposed to do? Just take the walk? I mean, let them strike you out? Because it's different. You know, you go from 3-0, you don't swing, then it's 3-1. to And maybe he throws a strike and it's 3-2, to you know, and you could have hit. You could have hit the ball. And it's these guys' livelihoods, you know, hit, you know, with the stats. So, yeah. I have no problem. I mean, if you, it's your fault for getting beat that bad, and it's your fault that your pitcher's 3-0. and It's no one else's fault but your own. So, I don't yeah. have any problem with it at all yeah i think i seem to remember being slightly on understanding the traditional baseball viewpoint because i think that particular game yeah i think they were ahead by a lot of runs they didn't need that home yeah. run that grand slam and would it have been mr tatis i think it was wasn't it you know uh, yeah and he hey, <laughs> I, if if they don't want that to happen instill a rule that you could just forfeit. How about run rule? If you don't want that to happen and you expect the other team to give up, 
just ha- just let them forfeit. Okay, we're done. We throw in the towel, like boxing. Throw in the towel. Yeah, the game. The games. So yeah, you could just sort of say, well, the game's over as a contest. We're giving the win to this team, but we'll carry on pitching just so you can get yeah. a little bit like an exhibition game. Yeah, it's it, it was a strange one, and it doesn't happen a lot. But I think it just. No. I think it just signified possibly a bit of a change in, uh, you know, the, the direction in which baseball's going. And I think I might end up agreeing with um, my good friend David Scale on this, that baseball probably does need to change a little bit if it wants to get up there with, um, and you know, and um, get some new young fans interested in the game. Yeah. See, the, the, the thing a lot of people say, and I agree with this, personally, I love baseball. I love the way the game is. I love how much time it takes. I love the speed of the game. You don't need to change a thing for me to, to continue watching and continue loving. But if you want to build the audience, if you want to get younger kids into it, you got to make it more exciting. They're drawn to uh, football with the hard hits. They're drawn to basketball with the dunks. And you got to do something to get that the young kids coming because the only way you get fans for baseball is if I take my children to the game. Current fan has to take their kids to the game to build, to turn them into fans. It's not like, because personally, I don't think if, if you, do you ever watch a game that you could care less who wins? Like just on, I told you that we went to Boston and watched the Red Sox game. I mean, after seven innings, I was ready to leave. I mean, because I could care less who wins the game. It was, yeah. it was, it was the Red Sox in Toronto. Even when we went to New York and watched the Yankees and the Mets, I, I, it's like okay, I've seen the stadium. It was awesome. The I don't care who wins this game. I'm ready to go. I've been here three hours, and so that's what I think too. You, it has to be family i mean you guys decided to be in it you what you guys did too is you went you came to america and you went to a game right and you're like wow this is cool so people you know you have to take these kids to ball you know to ball games whether it's you know if their little league team takes them there's there's got to be ways to build it up but i don't know how you make it more exciting i mean people like tatis you know because the the who's the best player in baseball? Mike Trout. Yeah. Is he exciting? No. <laughs> he's not, right? No, he's this sort of Mr. Nice Guy, isn't he? I think uh, I, I quite like him. You know. Anyone who's got a name who's got out in his surname uh, but does <laughs> it well, uh, you know, he's, uh, yeah, I think he's good for the game, but he's kind of old school, isn't he? Yeah. If you know what I mean. And then Tatis and... You know, the other guys who um, are coming through with that, you know, it's modern attitude, isn't it? You know, it's just the 21st century and social media. And yes, you've you've got to get the the next generation interested in the game. And if they're, you know, your traditional fans, they've got quite a lot of other interests, um, not just other sports. So, yeah, baseball... the, the, the old school guys are preaching to the converted, like yourself, 
and to a lesser extent myself and mm -hmm. my friends on the Highland bullpen, we do love the game. There's plenty of, plenty of people who I've spoken to and they can't understand why I'm interested in baseball because they don't yeah. see what's happening. It's too slow. But um, I do like that rhythm of the game. But I can also see why you might want to speed it up. You know, who can afford five or six hours? But we went, we all four of us went together. You know, the the first MLB London, which was the Yankees and the Red Sox. And we went down to London for the weekend and we took in both games and it was a fantastic experience. Both of the games took over five hours. Hmm. Now, for us, that was great because, you know, that was... Didn't, didn't somebody out. blow the other team out? Yeah, well, the Yankees um, <laughs> won pretty, <laughs> pretty convincingly, actually. There was a lot of runs scored. But I think quite often the Yankees-Red Sox games are high-scoring games. But I think over the two games, I'm pretty sure there was 50 runs scored. And quite yeah. a few. I think it might have been a slightly ball um, home-run-friendly ballpark some of the areas were probably a little bit shorter than they, they were within MLB guidelines but they might have been a bit sort of uh, friendly yeah. for some of the home run hitters you know the only games that go fast are when it's pitchers duels yeah you'll be watching it an hour and a half into it you're in the seventh inning but when there's a lot see like if if exciting excitement makes baseball more interesting, which is what home runs and a lot of scoring and a lot of this, the games are going to be long. The only way to shorten the game is, is to have pitchers duels. <laughs> and if that's not exciting, it's exciting for me. It's exciting for me to see a pitcher's duel, but I don't know. I mean, you, you, you can't, I don't know. Would you care if the game was take forever if it was exciting? I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I take your point about the the pitchers duels. I I found those games. Um, in fact, we had an episode on Highland bullpen where we were trying to work out what our favorite or our perfect um, scoreline would be. What our perfect baseball game would be for for fans, and I think we all of us sort of went for a, a relatively low scoring game maybe 5-4 or something I think that 6-5 I think was mine and a comeback from behind yeah. win maybe a walk-off uh, win which is quite exciting but yeah when you get those two great pitchers going out you know a game should be the object of the game should be difficult so you know scoring a run in baseball is difficult um, scoring a you know Basketball is a very skillful sport, but scoring a basket is not that difficult, isn't it? You get very high scoring game. Almost every attack, somebody's scoring a goal. Even in football, they're quite high scoring games. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think one of the hockey is a is very difficult to score a goal. I think that's a good sign of a sport when the object of the game is is very hard to do, and it it's a very old traditional game that. Nothing much has changed in it, you know. I like it, but yeah, um, some, so you know, some people look at the game and think, yeah, it needs spicing up a bit. How you do that? I'm not really sure. Yeah, that's a tough question because they want it to go faster, so they want the pitchers to, you know, like a pitch clock. 
They want to move the rubber back to make it harder because they, you know, they juice the balls, right? To make it yeah. more exciting. What I did was make the game longer. So I really don't know what to do. I, I mean, the only answer I have is, like I said already, it has to be a family thing. I mean, yeah. my, wife, my wife moved over here with me. And within the first few months, we went to an Astros game. And she'll watch them now when I'm at work. She'll, you know, she'll text me the score. Hey, we're killing them or whatever. And all it took was me taking her to the game. You, you have to take your kids to the game if you want to build the sport. If you love the sport, take your kids to the game. You don't have kids, take your nieces and nephews to the game. That's yeah. how you build it. It's just it's – it's a lot different watching a game at the stadium than it is at home. Yeah, there's no substitute for live sport, is there really? You know, no. obviously you can't get to every game. They play 162 games a year. Um, but – you know, even if you only go to a few games a season, then you're actually there. And then when you watch them on TV, you can sort of, in your own head, transport yourself to the game. If you've never been to see a live game, yeah, it can look a little bit, you know, do you really want to stare at a screen for five hours? <laughs> you know, at least yeah. if you're there, you can get up and walk around and uh, go for a hot dog or a beer or... Oh, See, here, here are the games start about 7, 7 p.m. Yeah. And a four-hour game, you're looking at 11. Anything over that's 11.30. Yeah. And then sometimes we play against, like, Oakland or Seattle, and the games start at 9 o'clock. And you can't watch those games. But, I mean, I watch the 7 o'clock games, and I got to get up at 4.30 in the morning. And it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to get three or four hours sleep tonight but let me ask you this you know we were talking about the lockout and somehow we we got turned to this subject but it's it's a lockout and you know people say it's millionaires versus billionaires but in this lockout it seems like the owners are the bad guys right i don't think anyone's blaming the players because they came out we can still play we can still play with this, you know, agreement not agreed to. All we want is more. They, they're talking a lot about the young kids. Like, let the young kids play. A couple episodes ago, I pointed out the stat that 46% of the players make league minimum or probably even less if they don't get to play a whole season. And the Astros had two second-team all-Major League Baseball, second-team all-MLB, and they're both minimum wage guys, Kyle Tucker and Alvarez. They haven't even reached arbitration yet. So they want these younger guys to make more money. And that's some things that they're uh, some things that they're discussing and fighting about. But did you hear this? I mean, of all this talk about the players want more of a piece of the pie, that the owners have all the money, Juan Soto reportedly before the lockout turned down a 13 year 350 million dollar contract 13 years 350 million the guy would have been set for life but apparently washington's going through a rebuild and he'd rather win than have money but he's going to get that money somewhere else right yeah he's not going to do too bad whatever he uh, decides to do is he so uh 
yes, it's it, it is hard to feel sorry for players who are earning that kind of money. But um, I, I think the 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 association, the players' union, would you know I think they would agree that it's really not about the top guys, is it? I think, um, and I find it quite—it's quite a complex system you have, and it's different. The American American sports uh, are set up differently than UK sports. Usually, you kind of know what contract a British soccer player is on. Um, but from what I understand of it, part of the argument that the Players Association has is they want—you know—before you, you become a free agent, you've got to be been in the team six years, been a player for six years. Um, arbitration is something different as well. You, you know, until you're in arbitration, is that three years or two for some yeah. guys? You can't negotiate an increase in salary. So if you're a young player who just comes in on the team and you're on the minimum or what, or something close to that, and you make a huge an immediate impact and you and one or two players have done that in their yeah. first seasons and maybe they they end up the, in their second season and their best player on the team but they can't get an increase in salary you know that's one I, thing they were discussing that you know you, you come in at the league minimum and whatever it is and they want to raise that but they want to add something you know if if you're like rookie of the year or top two you know what I mean? If you're, if you're the best players, then you get a yeah. bonus or you get some kind of extra money. Yeah. But yeah, it's mostly for the young kids. And also, th- this was something stupid, and I talked about it last time as well, that Major League Baseball wanted the minor leaguers to go to spring training without getting paid. And that was stupid. So, I mean, they're doing stuff, you know, they're giving the minor leaguers housing, they, they're paying them better, the traveling is better. But, I mean, it's just really weird, right? You got someone like Kyle Tucker and Alvarez making the minimum, and they're they're definitely two of the best five players on the yeah. team. And you got, you know, a guy at third base making $30 million, a guy at second making $30 million, Carlos Correa. Let's talk about Correa. Where's he going to go? I <laughs> see New York. I see the Cubs. The Astros, no way. It's he's, They're listed as one of the four locations he could go or destinations, but I don't think so. And then the Dodgers, because they lost their Bellinger. So what are you hearing? You hearing anything about Carlos Correa? No, I was, uh, you know, because we sort of uh, follow your podcast, then Astros is a team that I would, you know, you, you certainly, I can't say that I have knowledge about all of the, the major league teams, but... The Astros are keep an eye on them, and uh, yeah, I think he's gonna. It 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 did look like it was possibly unlikely that you were gonna come up with the the sort of um, contract that he might want and probably deserves, which yeah. is a shame. Which is a really sh- shame for the Astros. Um, but um, yeah, I I haven't really been following that particularly. I was just kind of hoping somehow it would end up staying with you guys because you know he's a pretty special player and they had quite a good series against the red sox i seem to, <laughs> seem <Yeah>. to remember <laughs> yeah they were saying uh oh got a little message live um 
the Yankees came out with a story and they said, we have our shortstop of the future. We don't want them, but they're still named as a team. And the Cubs, I think it's going to be the Cubs. I think it's going to be the the Dodgers. That would be my prediction. Mm. Because the Dodgers, they lost their shortstop. And, you know, teams like the Cubs and the Yankees and the Dodgers, they're the ones that pay those big contracts. The Astros don't do it, so it's not happening. The Astros aren't going to give him 13 – what did Lindor get? Thirteen million three forty or something weird. Like, I mean, that's too much money. It's too many years. It's, it's a lot of money. Yeah, impacts on the rest of the the team and the players as well, doesn't it? So you've got to take that into account. But yeah, I think it's part of the Yankees' makeup, isn't it? That they they almost have to be associated with any big star who is likely to move. It's just part of the makeup, isn't it? Whether they really want yeah. him, need him then, you know, they've got to be part of the equation. Um, But, uh, yeah, that would be interesting if it went to the Cubs. That that would be a team that that traditionally I started watching baseball and being interested in baseball in the 90s. I would never really have associated them with being sort of big money, uh, big spenders. But I think on the quiet, they they are really, aren't they? They they, they do spend... a lot of money, and uh, I suppose they've had a fair bit of success recently. I mean, I was I was there in 1999, probably, and we were in the bleachers. And I must admit, I was really in, enjoying the game. It was it was pretty full, and um, they'd taken a lead. And I think it was about the sixth, or might have been the seventh inning stretch. And I went over to get a beer at the bar. And I overheard this guy say, remember, this is late 90s, so still in the middle of that curse or towards the end of it. And one of them just says, "Okay, whatever his name was, how are we going to screw this one up? (laughs) And I thought, yeah, I think I'm getting to understand the makeup of a Cubs fan. But now they're, you know, they're one of the top teams and, and expected to be one of the challenging competing uh, teams and to do that you've got to spend money yeah i know they they went through a rebuild and they were kind of tanking like the astros they won the world series the year before the astros and uh, i think it'll be cool it'll be cool to see them I, i'd like to see him in the national league yeah. you know so i see him anywhere in the ao west where we have to play against korea 10 times i mean or i don't know 19 19 times a year but I don't want to see him play for the Dodgers or the Yankees either. Those are the two teams I hate the most. And those are two teams that the fan bases hate Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa is someone that if you're not a fan of the team, you probably don't like him. Yeah. Like even my wife says that she doesn't really care for him because of the faces that he makes. She just doesn't like arrogance. She loves Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker is a mild man. Even Alvarez is very quiet, and they, you know, that's her favorite guys. But I, th- I mean, Carlos Correa is going to get paid. He got his new agent Boris, so he's going to get paid. But let me talk about this. I-, I saw this that it wasn't too many episodes ago that I talked about the Oakland A's, and none of you guys are A's fans. I know you have a Mariners guy, but it looks like they're going to get a new stadium after all. They've got to prove for 
the environmental impact report because they want to be right there by the water. They've got the plans. They got the cost. It's going to be, I think, 35,000 fans. It's not going to be a huge stadium like the big waste of stadium they have there. They already lost the Raiders. They can't lose another team. You know, I thought I already thought they were gone, like they're going. But, you know, it's cool. They're, they, they're going to save their team. They need a new stadium. Their stadium is horrible. And they need to get rid of those stupid drums because that drives me nuts. Yeah, I mean, I uh, not knowing the history completely, but they strike me as being obviously they must have been at some point an expansion team. So they're not one of the traditional hundred plus year old teams, but they they're important in the his, in the modern history of baseball, aren't they? You know, would I be right in saying that apart from the Yankees, they're probably the only team who's won it three times in a row was that in the 70s the big yeah. green machine or something and and to to consider you know them the local um government or council or whatever they call it, you know you would think that the last thing in the world they would want them to move out of the city no <laughs> they are uh they were originally the philadelphia a's so let's see when they started all oh, right they were the Philadelphia A's in 1902 to 1954. Really? So they've been around forever. Yeah. And then 1927 to 33. Yeah, they've been around forever. They just haven't been in Oakland forever. Right. Yeah, that's something we sort of forget in the UK that, yeah, you may look at a team and they've only been in um, one place for 50, 60 years. But if you look into their history, then... They, you know, they're a historic club. But even into in Oakland terms, you know, that I would say, you know, it, I don't know much about Oakland except for their football team and the baseball team. Oakland's yeah. supposed to be bad. Is it? It's supposed to be a bad place. And uh, <laughs> even like the Golden State Warriors were in Oakland, and now I think they're over there in San Francisco, which is right across the bridge. So. I don't know where this is off the water and it's going to be nice. But before we go, I want to talk about the Pocota rankings. And I don't have them all, but they're pretty cool. And I think I think my next show, that's what I'm going to do. When I do it alone or maybe I'll get someone to come on because it's really cool. I did it last year, but to look back at what they predicted this year or what they predicted in 2021, see how close they got. But uh, you have a White Sox guy, and they have them predicted to win 93 games and win the Central. And then you have a Tigers guy who has our former manager, A.J. Hinch. They have them winning 68 and a half games, eight and a half less than uh, last year. That's surprising, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Alan Cameron, who says our spiritual leader, he's a Tigers fan. He he's been over to Detroit a few times, um, and uh, he was getting quite excited about. You know, they had a poor start to the season last year, if I remember rightly. But in the second half of the season, I think there was a spell when they were doing really well, and yeah. winning, really winning a lot of games. And you know, I you know, I thought they've got some good 
young players coming through and as you say you've got a great manager and he hasn't been there that long so maybe he needs he needed a bit more time with his players to get his ideas across and I would have thought whatever their record was last year they would improve on this year me too whether that means a winning season or not or maybe you know there might be a couple of seasons away from doing that I would, I would hope so. I've certainly got a soft spot for the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> so they have the Astros at 96.9 wins. Yeah. I don't know if that's figured with or without Carlos Correa. If it's, if it's without him, that's pretty awesome. And uh, Toronto, they have Toronto winning the East, 94.5. Yankees, 93.6. You know they're always going to. You know, pump those guys up. Underrated again, buddy. 90.1 wins. They're, they underrated every year, and every year yeah. they they surprise everybody. I, I don't know how they don't realize Tampa Bay is going to be good. I don't, I don't know how they just keep forgetting. Yeah, I mean, they won the division by quite a bit last year, didn't they? And uh, then yeah. you had sort of th- almost three-way tie, didn't you, for the – Wildcard, Yankees, Red Sox, and Toronto. It's a pretty strong division, and they play each other a lot. And uh, the Rays just they consistently, uh, you know, confound the experts, don't they, with their almost minuscule wage roll compared to the Yankees. It's less than half the Yankees, I'm sure. And um, they just have some, they must have some good ideas on the game. Uh, you know, I think. Uh, the chief executive at um, whoever's in charge of procuring the players at the Red Sox is he X-rays? There's you find X-rays guys everywhere, don't you? <laughs> Did you yeah. say you've got one? We have uh, our general manager, yeah, from the Rays. Let's do it that way. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I mean, I was kind of surprised that they got Justin Verlander in a way, and kind of not. But I was thinking, okay, they. They get this guy from uh, Tampa Bay, and maybe they're going to try to follow their model of not signing high-dollar players. And that's one reason, besides that the Astros don't do those kind of contracts, that Carlos Cray is not going to be here because we have a guy that, you know, was with Tampa Bay, and he knows their formula. But the Astros also have Jeremy Pena. I think I think he's our shop of the future. We yeah. might need a guy to fill in, but I think we're going to be fine. As you can see here, 96.9 wins. You've got, you know, Kyle Tucker, Alvarez. They're not even an arbitra- arbitration yet. You've got uh, Soto, yeah. Chad McCormick, uh, the other center fielder, Jake Myers. I mean, Yuli Gurriel's getting up there in age, but he won the batting title last year. Altuve's going to be there forever. Bregman signed long-term. They've got great catchers coming up. They've got great... uh, Altuve, he's he's the man for me. I think he's a fantastic competitor. And, yeah, it would be a blow to to lose a player like uh, Correa. But, uh, you know, let's face it, you're not going to play with eight men in the game, are you? Someone's going to step in and do a job and you know that's possibly the 
method of thinking is that maybe they have someone who they feel is going to be a good replacement for them and um, you know whatever money they save on prospective contract for career they can use elsewhere and maybe that signing you know yeah. maybe they wanted to make a signing to show that they're not going to be completely go down the raise route they are going to spend money but yeah. you know so it's going to be a combination of things. well they they did all that tanking right they did the tanking got all those first round picks they they could you know they didn't keep george springer which was their like mm-hmm. energy guy he was their leadoff guy home runs galore from the leadoff spot he's gone they still go to the world series yeah. Carlos Correa isn't going to be here. They're still going to be good. They ex- they extended the contracts of Altuve and uh, Bregman. So there's going to be a point. They were like low at the end and they're building up. You know, they were, I can't remember what that's called. Um, but, you know, where their contracts are big, but they, they're paid less at the beginning. But oh, there's going to be a time where they're both, and I feel stupid for not knowing that, but they're, they're both going to be making $30 million, you know, in either next year. I think Altuve might be making it last year. I don't, I don't even know. But they both have those, you know, $30 million contracts. And then you can't win without pitching. You could have all the $30 million offensive players in the world but if you don't have someone like Justin Verlander, you know, Garrett Cole, all these good pitchers they had, you're not going to win it all. And that's why that Justin Verlander pickup was so good. Yeah, you need an ace or two, don't you, to uh, get yeah. you through the, you know, the tough games. If, you're, if your batsmen are, are, are cold, then, you know, a good pitcher can get you through a couple of games that you might not otherwise win. So... Yeah, it's uh, it must be. It is a very interesting sport to follow. I mean, you know, with the, looking at the roster, when you look at a roster, you know, you think, well, gosh, there's a lot of pitchers in there. Isn't there? Yeah. You know, maybe twenty plus pitchers, but then you've really only got five or six on the rotation, and even then, it's maybe one or two, if you're lucky, aces who you can really rely on to pretty much win you a game if you need yeah. to. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, are they just when Kyle Tucker, Alvarez get up to where they are going to make big money? Are they going to let them go? I mean, who knows? I mean, I yeah. I don't really know offhand the contracts of Altuve and Bregman and when they're over with. You know, they kind of sign. Altuve is just a he's a Astros lifer and he's going to be in the Astros Hall of Fame. He's probably going to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, but yeah, we're just stacked. We have a lot of like, have you called them batsmen? We got yeah. a lot of those. We got a lot of power. We need pitching. And I think if you look at the World Series last year, our pitching was not that great. You know, just imagine if we had Charlie Morton and Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, Lance McCullers, like we used to. Yeah, Lance McCullers is our ace. He used to be the fourth guy. So. Now really? Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander's a big deal. I think yeah. I think that's something we needed to do. And maybe, you know, you have your payroll where you need it, and you go out and get another, you know, an ace from another team that's on his last year of the contract, and you go to the playoffs with with a couple of ace pitchers and 
a lot of people said the Astros didn't have an ace last year. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a, they've made a statement with that signing, haven't they? That yeah, we you know we maybe will lose career, but um, we're serious and uh, we are going to spend money and uh, they're definitely going to be a factor again this year. And yeah, what do you say, ninety six point nine? It's not bad. Heck yeah, and it's then ninety seven. <laughs> and then also, I told you earlier. And uh, that Correa had like a 66% games played before last year. And, but he became the leader. He became, you know, I think he led the team in war because he's the best Mm -hmm. fielding shortstop out there and you don't want to lose him. But you got to remember that was the first year that he played all the games. And, you know, he signs this huge contract, 13 years of someone else, and he's just injury prone. I mean, yeah. I think, and he wants 13 years. You're going to be paying this guy $35 million a year when he's 40, and he couldn't stay healthy when he was 22. I mean, yeah, I don't know. A we'll risk, see. isn't it? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Because just imagine having that money on the board for a guy that isn't playing. Yeah. Excuse me. That isn't playing. So. It's, it's a lot of position in baseball, isn't it? Shortstop. It is. It does seem to be an important position, you know, both for you know run production and defense. Is it still? Is that still the case, even with the shift and all that? Is it still seen as being the, the, the big, you know, the main? You need a good shortstop to be a good yeah. team. Yeah, I think you need pitching, but shortstop is. Mm. I guess he's sort. It's it's definitely the most important position in in the infield. Yeah. So who do you? Uh, I was going to ask you something, and you asked me that and threw me off. <laughs> but you let's do the Highland bullpen, right? You got your yeah. four teams. Put them in order. Who's going to finish best? Give me your Highland bullpen, Dakota <laughs> rank. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'll not go with my own team. I think. Uh, Young, uh, youngster of uh, the Highland bullpen, David Skelton, passionate White Sox fan, and that you know, I, I'm pretty yep. sure that they are going to be um, win their division and really be a force next next year. I would say, you know, I think the Red Sox will still be a good team because I think they've got a great manager. Um, I'm not sure what's happening with with the team signings and with the. Pitching, got some good young pitchers coming through. They've got uh, some great players who, was it Devers? Um, and um, I don't know. It's, it's been a while since I've had Red Sox on the mind. But, you know, I'll go I'll go for Red Sox having another good season. Probably, probably a wild card again. The Tigers, I'll be looking at them to improve and maybe be a, have a winning season, but not reach the playoffs. The Mariners... They almost made the playoffs last yeah. year. And, um, you know, I'd love to see them uh, doing well again. So, yeah, I think it's the uh, the two Sox, then the Mariners, then the Tigers. I agree with you. That's what I wrote down while you were talking. Really? <laughs> I mean, I expected more out of the Tigers, even though they're, you know, Pakoda has them only one in 68 games. But Seattle... Seattle's up and coming. They're Definitely. they're they're better. Oakland's always dangerous. Now I'm just talking about the West. 
Uh, Texas has spent money. They got a, a new shortstop, new second baseman. Who knows what they're going to do? The West is definitely going to be better. So for them to have the Astros at 96 shows a lot of respect for the Astros. So, yeah. But I got it like you, White Sox, Red Sox, Seattle, and the Tigers. So sorry for the Tiger fan and the Highland bullpen. But that's all we got, David. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, it was fun. This is uh, my first attempt at a uh, video podcast. If you listen on Spotify, if you listen on Spotify, you can actually watch us. Oh, no. Watch us in action. With my lockdown beard, you know, I grew a beard and uh, (laughs) first lockdown and I've never shaved it off. I think, yeah, maybe I'll try, uh, go for the goatee uh, next time you see me. (laughs) If if I could grow a beard like that, I would. But this is all I have. I don't have as much sweet gray as you do, but I definitely have a face for the radio. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for uh, coming on, David. I appreciate it. More than you know, everybody else doesn't open today. And uh, we appreciate all y'all tuning in and Spotify listeners. You can watch us video. I'm going to check that out too. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us here on Astros Baseball. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.